We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. John Van Brassen drops back, throws the marking pass upfield. Reggie Townfield gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72 yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood. Playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 10. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with soon-to-be co-host back, Michael Stewart. He is gone hiatus somewhere in the middle of the introduction. Bam, he dropped off the call. That is the craziness of going live. Once you go live, you can't stop it and redo it. Not going to do that. So we're going to go live and bring Mike back on the line. Rams stated, though, with 23-16 in a, a good football game. I mean, there's only way to say it. A good football game. So we're going to call Mike back here. Mike's back on the line. Right? Mike, you there? 
Here we go. What a craziness. We're in the middle of an introduction, and bam, in the middle of a live show. I have no idea. Tech issues galore. We're not going to restart that. We're going to leave them in because that's life. Things happen. Mike, that's right. 2316 Rams win today. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Glad to see a great game uh, for the most part. And, man, just excited to talk a little bit about it and uh, talk about what's going on. What's going on in Cleveland, sir? Or oh, not I'm Cleveland, but Cleveland. Ohio. Ohio. Well, it's gotten cold. Had a windstorm coming through here today. Uh, the Browns come up behind that win 10-7, to 7, so many members of my family are happy. You know, I just kind of look at them and go, okay, good, Browns, okay, good for you. you know, meanwhile, just trying to trying to watch the Rams game, I stuck watching the Bengals and Steelers play. I didn't want to watch that game. I don't watch it. Right. But I have to live in that corridor where the Steelers and Browns are king, and i got to watch it. I mean, yeah, if it's on TV anyway. So here we are on my, on my little smartphone. Pulling the, pulling the game up. Annoying. Absolutely annoying. But it's done. And the Rams have won today, 23-16. They are now 6-3. Crucial win. I can't put that in words enough. Critical win. With that schedule they have going down the stretch, if you have one thought to enter this conversation about the Rams with the day, what, what is it, Mike? Needed. Needed? Needed win. Must needed win, if you will. Well, I mean, you kept it real simple there. <laughs> you kept there you it go. Real, you kept it real simple. <laughs> it was a needed win, a critical win, especially with the Bucks, the Cardinals coming up. The Rams came in this one, and man, I gotta tell you, they frustrate me in so many ways. But in games like today, they come up big, and they came up with style. And on defense, especially offensively, we got some things to talk about, but defensively. The Rams looked outstanding after that first touchdown drive. Let me put the key in there. After that first Seahawks touchdown drive. Let's go down to the stats here. Rams win 23-16. Team comparison here. 24 first downs to the Rams. 20 for the Seahawks. Third down efficiency, 9 of 15. 9 of 15 for the Rams. 7 of 14. Not great, but all the 7 of 14 for the Seahawks came early. Total yards, 389 for, for the Rams, 334 for the Steelers. Not Steelers, see, see, no, see what happened, Mike? Yeah, no. Seahawks, 334. My gosh. Average per play, 5.6, 5.1 for the Seahawks. Yards passing, 283 for the Rams, 221. Jared Goff, nice day, 27-37 for, um, for the Seahawks, 22-37. Times sacked. Goff took three sacks today, and not my favorite, but Russell Wilson took six, count them, six sacks today. Six. Each two with four penalties, not, not bad in terms of penalties. Two interceptions from Russell Wilson, one fumble loss for each team. The Rams win time position 33-36 to 26-24. Individual stats, real quick, let's mention them up. See here. Here we go. Russell Wilson, 240 yards passing, six sacks suffered. Russell Wilson was also the leading rusher for the Seahawks, eight carries, 60 yards. Alex Collins, 11 for 43. Receiver for the Seahawks, five for 66 as Tyler Lockett. Notice DK Metcalf, two catches, 28 yards. That's their, that's their home run threat. Shut him down. See here. Total tackles, 
7 for Bobby Wagner, 10 for DJ Reed Jr., 7 for Jamal Adams. Critical, two critical plays. One that will change the Rams' season. We know that. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then on the Rams' side, Jared Goff, 302 total yards, took three sacks extension. Cam Akers, though, 10 carries, 38 yards as a leading rusher. That's concerning. Malcolm Brown, 6 of 33. Joe Henderson, 7 for 28. Not the world's best day running the ball, although they got three touchdowns on the ground. Josh Reynolds, banner day. One of his best days as a Ram. Eight catches, 94 yards. Tyler Hapey, three for 60. Cooper Cup, five for 50. Didn't look all that great times Cooper Cup did. I wonder if he's still hurting. Robert Woods, five for 33. Just spreading the ball around. Defensively, look at these numbers. Leonard Floyd, three sacks. Michael Brockers with a sack. That's four right there alone. Two sacks from Terrell Lewis. Put it up for the Buckeyes. That's right, Terrell Lewis. And Micah Kaiser with 12 tackles total. Not our favorite, I think, in terms of some of those early tackles for him. Overall, though, not bad. John Johnson, eight tackles. Three passes defended from Darius Williams, though. I mean, he has to be at the player of the game. If it was, you know, two interceptions, should have had a third had a had a William Floyd not Leonard Floyd not jumped off sides. And overall, defensively, the Rams were dominant. Mike, what story do those numbers tell you? Well, the stories, you know, you, you kind of want to start with the, the time of possession. Anytime you can, you know, win that time of possession, that's going to be a positive. If you win the turnover battle, that's going to be a positive. Obviously, the touchdown is going to win the battle. What it says to me, this was a collective team effort. Defense went out there, did what they did needed to do. Uh, anytime you create turnovers, that's like being almost like an offensive touchdown, if you will. So to have three turnovers, uh, well, two by picks, and then, you know, the number of sacks that we had, that's outstanding. Uh, allowed the, the offense, they had some good good things that they did, you know, some game-sustaining drive is what you want from your offense. Obviously, that allows your defense to go out there and play a lot fresher, and it puts a little more on – the opposing offense on what they have to do, which can allow the defense to play like they did to be able to now start getting picks because when you're behind, it changes the the game format. So it's exciting to see just a collective effort, uh, and that's what you're going to need if you're going to you know, win down the stretch. One thing the numbers I think don't show – well, let me correct that. They show when you get down to individual numbers. They show – but the overall numbers, total yards, the Rams 389, Seahawks 334. There isn't a whole lot of differences in several areas. But those numbers are, in a lot of ways for the Seahawks, kind of make-up numbers. Because they spent much of the second half trying to come back, taking more risks, going for it. And the Rams just kind of cruise a little bit and trying to trust their defense to hold the game for them, which it did. In that respect, this was actually a much more dominant game than even the numbers show. The Rams controlled this game. After after it was a 7-3 Seahawks, they took control. They really did. And they did it through a mixed match, mixed match of, of offensive. I mean, I got to say this. I've been critical a bit on, on a good old boy Sean McVay, but his play call on this timeout was, was pretty nice. He had a nice mix, 
kept the ball in different places. You had three different backs. You didn't get more than 40 yards rushing, but Capone combined as a nice, fairly nice day running the football. You don't have that feature scary guy you wish you had, but overall, the play calling was nice. And Jared Goff, a couple errant throws here and there, didn't get the football out, football out in that fumble, but overall, good day. This was a nice performance, a, um, and in many ways, a dominant performance. Outstanding, great. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. Uh, one of the things that that again, you know, you you can nitpick a lot of different things, but uh, Josh Reynolds had a number, and like you said, a banner day. Uh, but he also still had a few a few drops that probably should have been catches. So for him as a receiver to move up into that next tier of receiver that can be counted on in the clutch, you know, he's got to sometimes make those those simple catches as opposed to not making them. So, uh, but o- overall, man, he was able to get open and and they got him the ball, which is interesting as well because you go, well, is that something they exploited, something in the Seattle defense, or is it something that they changed on the Ram offense that allowed him to now somewhat be the feature guy today? So, you know, we know that every game it could be this guy. Next week it could be Robert Woods or it could be, you know, uh, Cooper Cuff, could be Higby. Uh, but it just seems like for the teams that consistently stay up amongst the tops in winning percentage and getting to the playoffs – you pretty much have a known go-to guy, but maybe this is part of the strategy to be able to spread it all around it. There's no technically known go-to guy. You know, like you said, we somewhat shut down DK Metcalf today, and it showed they were a whole different team when they had to rely on the other guys. Well, the thing, though, too, is you know, eight catches for Reynolds, but he's targeted ten times. That's a pretty nice percentage. So, yeah, it's raw. Yeah. I mean, that's... I think what continues to blow my mind, if we're going to pick apart little things, is Joe Everett. He had a couple critical drops today. The guy is an athletic freak. He has all the physical tools to be a star in this league, and yet he hasn't done it yet. And that's what frustrates me, because he shows you these flashes of stardom. We really saw that a lot last year. And then he goes stone hands on you. And that's that's the crazy part to me. That's that's the that's the hard part watching a talent like him. Reynolds to me is he's been kind of held back by sitting behind guys like Brandon Cooks and Sandy Watkins in there. All throughout this career, he was brought in hopefully to become a deep threat when they draft him, and yet he's never really had a lot of the opportunities. And when he does get the opportunities, he plays pretty well. Today was a nice example of that. But you got to wonder what would have happened if he had more reps along, along the line. I mean, I'm not going to hammer the Rams for making some of the calls they made. I mean, if Sammy Watkins is available at the time and, and Brandon Cooks is available at the time, I think you'd go for him. But at the same time, I would have liked to have seen what would have happened had the Rams invested more into Josh Reynolds earlier in his career. You know, that, yeah, I mean, you make a great point because when you look at uh, football at any level, it's still about developing players. And so, yes, to that point, has this growth been stunted? 
obviously, if you get a chance to play in the NFL, I try to tell everyone, if you get a chance to play in the NFL, you have enough to have gotten there. Now it's up to you to stay there or try to make a difference. Obviously, it comes down to how a team evaluates that player or when he's on your team and scheme and all those things play into it. Uh, But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes the rest of the way in because, unfortunately, when you have a lot of money tied up into other players, there's just a unconscious, I guess, way that you approach the game. Well, if these are starters and these are supposed to be our big money guys – well, these are the guys we play. You know, again, my my just coaching at the high school level at this point. My philosophy is we go with the hot hand. You know, whether you're the first guy off the bench or the last guy off the bench, uh, go with the hot hand. Go with what what's working because game plans have to be adjusted on the run. And no mm-hmm. matter how much you plan and 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 practice during the week when you actually get in the game something you thought was going to be working just may not be and vice versa so if you can just make those adjustments regardless of who the individual may be or not be uh most teams do a lot better and and too don't forget that when it comes down to the rams they have decisions to make at the end of the year they don't have the luxury of no salary cap. They have guys. Yes. They got to make up some minds on. You know, Joe Everett and and Reynolds, Josh Reynolds are two guys alone. They have to make decisions on without a whole lot of salary cap available to them. They have. They're they're trying to sign other players. They just signed Robert Woods to extension. They just signed. You know, of course they have Aaron Donald's extension, Jalen Ramsey guys extension. So in the last two years, massive re-signings. And they are filling out this roster with guys that are going to be their nucleus for four, five, six more years. What do you do now with these fringe guys who have talent? Just let them go now? That's probably going to be what happens. That in mind... Yeah, so when you look at... Absolutely. Go that ahead. in mind, how do you measure your investment now? Do you invest that right. in them trying to get a higher return when they leave? Or right, right. what do you do? <laughs> Right. Yeah, because when you're looking at those two guys and maybe that's why they feel like, hey, we we drafted a rookie. So, again, we have a guy that's on a will be on a rookie contract. Van Jefferson has absolutely shown he can play at this level and be effective. So they may say, hey, we're going to roll with Josh for this year. But if for some reason we can't sign him because the numbers don't match up, uh I think the plan B is easily going to be a guy named Van Jefferson Jr. that just kind of gets slotted right in there. So, yeah, to your point, uh, and this is going to be something that goes on each year when you have a salary cap is how that you uh, maximize the talent you have. You know, obviously keep some great players, but the last especially two years, uh, the amount of money that's been play, paid to, you know, some of these seasoned veterans that, you know, are worth the money, but time will tell how it actually pays off. And in the end, that's why I wonder, well, how much do you want to invest in these guys now? Do you want to invest more in the guys you do have signed long-term in terms of the reps and so on and so forth? Today, they were they were needed. Josh Reynolds was a guy that they need to make an impact. 
the Seahawks didn't play a bad game. They came out there and they targeted the Rams' key players. And the Rams, the one thing the Rams do really well is when their offense is going, they find ways to have a different star every week. And they've consistently done that. So for the Rams right now, I just look at them and I, I won. The question comes back to me, well, how good are the Rams? Well, they just beat one of the best teams in, in the conference. So we know they're better than, than what we saw with Miami. But we also found out Miami's 6-3 now. Miami's 6-3. Yeah. That's, that, they're better than anybody thought they were going to be this year. No doubt. I mean, So who would have thought that Buffalo and Miami would be leading the AFC East at this point in the year, even with New England losing Tom Brady? I just didn't see that one coming, and I don't think many people saw it coming. In. And so we have to look back on that Miami game, and A, the Rams in a lot of ways dominated that game offensively, but Miami did one thing well, forced turnovers. And they're 6-3. and three. So yeah, this, this Rams team, after nine games now, I still would say they're better than I thought they were going to be, but they have a lot of room to grow. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And that's, that's kind of what is really appealing about these next games. I mean, it's it's kind of nice to, to look at the schedule. I mean, we talked about, you know, beginning of the year, the first half of the schedule and, and how that would play out. But, you know, now as you see – the, the games coming up, you can literally see a road to success and how that could match up. You know, yep. I mean, you literally, obviously, at Tampa Bay, that's going to be a tough mm-hmm. one to go on the road. Uh, we get Frisco here at home. Obviously, it'll be another somewhat tough one on the road in Arizona. But when you thought that the New England game might be a tough one. That should be an easy win for us. The Jet game following should be an easy win. And then you got to go back to Seattle and then you play Arizona down the stretch. So, again, if you just take these in little bits, these next three games, you go two and one. What game you might lose? Probably more likely going on the road to Tampa. You know, being at Arizona, that's just a state over. So it's not like you have to travel across country. You're going to great weather. A lot of people probably got family. Just, you know, I saw fans in the stands. So it looks like they're wanting some fans there. So they may even have family there. So when you look down at the rest of the season, you you can say, man, we, we can win four of these easy. Well, but there are a couple couple issues here we got to think about. All right, one, yes, injuries today. Kai Forbath, kicker. Naya, all right, okay. <laughs> They'll find a kicker. Um, Andrew Whitworth, though, hurts. Yes, and it, it that looks like he's gone for a while. Now, Joe Newton, Joe Newton played pretty solid coming in. And that brought back some memories when he was drafted. That, that first year when he was drafted, he did fill in a couple times late in games for Whitworth and played pretty well over there at left tackle. People forget that. Mm-hmm. And still, though, Seattle didn't have time to adjust much to that. And I'm guessing Tampa Bay will be ready for, for Joe Nopum next week over there at left tackle. So that 
is going to be something to watch and that's concerned. Can Joe Nobun go back to being a left tackle? He was drafted to potentially be the heir apparent for Mr. Whitworth, and all of a sudden, three years later, almost, here we are. Another injury today. Taylor Rapp. We have no idea what his, his issues with his knee. Hopefully it's minor, but he's out. He was out for the game. And the Rams were already thin at six. They just got, they just got old boy back. Jordan Fuller back today. And then they yeah. lost Taylor Rapp. That hurts. But yet they kept going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would imagine the Taylor Rapp thing, especially when it's a knee, you know, if you have a strained MCL or a strained ACL, yeah, you can play on it uh, or you can play on them. But there's always a chance when you're compromised, easier for the next injury to now set in. But usually as it, another injury comes about, it's typically more severe than the first one because, again, it, once you're not full go, uh, it just makes it tough to maintain that level when you get nicked again on the same place or the same knee. So I'm not sure it's the same knee. For Taylor Rapp? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't remember him getting hurt in the first time the knee. He, he's been healthy. It was well, Fuller who came back. Yeah, but you remember the reason why Fuller got the reps were because Taylor Rapp had been out during the preseason. That's true. With the knee. Yeah. That's true. So that's what I mean. Uh, And then, you know, Fuller just played his tail off and didn't look back until he got dinged up. And then, but that doesn't mean Taylor Rapp uh, has ever gotten back to full speed either. So so we'll, we'll have to see. He was starting to. That's that's the shame of it. He was starting to kind of right. fall into place. Finally, his last couple of games out, right. he looked pretty good. And then he gets dinged up. So just as they're getting Taylor Rapp back where they want to use it, and, and that I think was always the intention. With once Fuller won that spot, you could use Rapp in different places. And all of a sudden, you have three safeties you can depend on to make plays. Now you got Nick Scott back there because you've lost Tyler Burgess, and Burgess, by the way, is having great. That's concerned, but nonetheless, even today, with that talented receiving core that Seattle had, their offensive line couldn't hold up against the Rams' pass rush. And the Rams gave all kinds of problems. Six sacks. We used to be used to seeing the Rams go after, geez, man, they used to make Russell Wilson's life miserable. They didn't get to him all that much last year, but it looked more like an old-time Rams-Seahawks game today with six sacks on, on Wilson. I can't help but think that if you're in Seattle, you're concerned. Honestly, Seattle showed me that, that they were a little bit of a paper tiger. A couple of injuries, and they're hurting right now. And down the stretch, you were right. I think you were right. You said this year's going to be about a, a battle of attrition. Who stays healthiest to the end? Yes. And Seattle's a hot mess. And I, I, I can look down Seattle's schedule the rest of the way and wonder, how are they going to hold up? Our schedule is difficult. How's Seattle going to hold up? Exactly. And to your point, we're nine games in now, right? We're coming off a bye week. So that obviously helped us get, you know, if guys are banged up, a little bit more healthy. But, you know, as they say, once you've started the season, nobody's going to be 100% because it's just a physical game that you play week in and week out. And I'm going next step, especially this year, without 
the typical off-season, normal summer. Yes, guys are working out, I'm sure, on their own. But it's just a little bit different when you have the scheduled, you know, off-season camps and things like that. Because you can test where you are as far as being in shape or not when you have something in April, May, or June. You can really test and then, okay, we need to see you back when we get for camp in July, we need to see, you know, you didn't really get that this year. So you're just hoping that everybody's doing what they're supposed to. That being said, uh, yeah, when you look at the depth, again, when you're making these monetary money decisions, things, you can't always have the extended depth that you would need. You know, obviously the hope is, to build off of what Aaron Donald and what he's able to do, bring some guys and just put pressure on the passer. And therefore you can have maybe not uh, pro bowl guys at every single position in the secondary, but you got high quality players who are like pro bowlers, play hard, they play smart, play together, and you can deal with it. You don't get pass rush and now you get banged up and you have less depth. Yes, that can be problematic. But what we saw today, again, when you play this game as a team, no matter what it says on paper or not, you can come out and look like the dominant team that an NFL team can be based on that day. And so this was, for me, a perfect example of play as a team and you go out and dominate. Don't play as a team and you get kind of boat race like Tampa Bay did last week. And kind of how we we didn't look like we knew what we we're doing last week. So again, it, it's it's a good game to have a win. And again, you're stacking them up now at six and three with seven left to go. You almost can start pinpointing. Okay, we need to win this many games to, mm-hmm. you know, win this part of you know get a buy or no buy and all those things. So it's going to be good these next few weeks. And, and you know. Looking at the schedules here real quick, I want to go look at Seattle. Seattle coming in this game. A couple of things that I really noticed about Seattle's schedule. A, this is kind of a big deal. The Rams held them to 16 points. The Coming in this game, the only other time that Seahawks have been held under 30 was a 27-26 win over Minnesota October 11th. They have not scored until today less than 27 yes. points. That's how good yeah. the Rams' defense was today. Two, yeah. offensively in every game, 38, 35, 38, 31, 27. The loss in Arizona, 34. The, the wins in, in San Francisco, 37. The loss to Buffalo, 34. But I'm looking down here, and, it, and I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that as much as the Seahawks were praised, there's nothing really all that impressive here. Look at this. Atlanta thirty-eight twenty-five. Does it? Are you really impressed by being Atlanta at this point? New England thirty-five three. We see what's happened with New England. Okay, so Dallas thirty-eight thirty-one. The Miami game at Miami. Yeah, I, that's probably their most impressive win at this point. Thirty-one twenty-three at Miami. The win win at home against Minnesota twenty-seven twenty-six. They lose at Arizona. They beat San Francisco, but San Francisco's hurting with with Garoppolo right now. Then a 44-34 loss and a 23-16 loss. Their most impressive win was at Miami. Right. That's their and, most and impressive to your win. Point, 
yeah, you know, Russell Wilson, even in those wins, you know, it's kind of him back there just making plays. Mm -hmm. To the defensive front's uh, credit today, he was out there kind of scrambling and running around, but, man, they were getting him on the ground. And then it was forcing him to, you know, make throws. Uh, You know, he's very rarely going to have a game where he has – uh, success, successive picks thrown in a game, interceptions. Uh, but when you look at their schedule, you go Arizona, toss-up. Philly, they should beat them. The Giants, they should beat them. The Jets, they should beat them. The Washington football team, they should beat them. So you look at how a little bit seems like a little bit easier down the stretch. Obviously, they have us and then Frisco the last two games. But for us, payback game. Uh, and then, obviously, Frisco, that may be dependent on how Frisco can either bounce back or not. And before I forget, man, shout out to DJ Reed, former Bakersfield Native, uh, went to Independence High by way of Fresno State, by way of Cerritos, by way of Kansas. Now uh, drafted by the Niners, had some great years with them, uh, got picked up by Seattle, and he was one of their leading tacklers today. So shout out to DJ Reed from Bakersfield, not Bakersfield High, but Bakersfield, California, uh, on his efforts to, to maintain high excellence for those out of the Valley. Well, there's a shout-out. But you mentioned the schedule here, Arizona for Seattle. That's Thursday night. That's a quick turnaround. That's going to oh, be yeah. fun. Yeah. Okay, and, but we can't sleep on Philly. Philly is still – Philly's – they're mind-boggling to me how talented that team is, and yet they're sitting there in 3-5-1. You can't sit in that game. And then the Giants are playing better. The Giants – and the Giants yes. give the Rams all kinds of problems. The Jets. They really did. The Jets are the one. The Jets and Washington Football to the two definite W's on their their schedule. But in those other games, Arizona, Philadelphia, the Giants, the Rams again, and the 49ers, Those are all. Those aren't guineas by any stretch of the imagination. Philadelphia and the Giants can definitely give the Seahawks problems. They, heck, the Giants gave us problems. The Giants gave them a lot of teams problems. The Giants beat Philadelphia today. And a, a, yes. a very good performance from them. They're getting better. And they have an outside shot, holy crap, of winning this division at this point. At 3-7, and seven, they could still win the NFCs. Right. The Giants are not out of it. So I, I just look at this and wonder, at this point, how good are the Seahawks? And what is going to happen with them? And yet, because of that schedule, the Rams have serious work to do. Because no matter how we try and frame it, the Rams' schedule is just harder. It is harder. Yes. They have a tougher road. And Arizona, too, we got them twice coming up. Their, their schedule, this is the last place schedule, by the way. But how the heck did Arizona and the Rams have tougher schedules at this point? I don't know. Look at look at what's left for um, what Arizona's already done. Arizona had already San Francisco. Um Seattle, Miami, Buffalo. Okay, they're going to have Seattle again. They have us. Then they have the Giants, Philadelphia, San Fran, and the Rams again. That's that's pretty much identical to what Seattle has. 
they had a tougher early schedule too. They lost to Miami yeah. like the Rams did. They lost to Carolina and they right. lost to Detroit. If they play Carolina and Detroit now, they win those games. I think. I mean, since those since those two losses, the Giant they beat the Jets thirty ten. Okay, they beat Dallas thirty eight ten. They beat Seattle, and they win today. And that Hail Mary. Did you see the Hail Mary? Yeah. That was oh incredible. my gosh, that Hail Mary, and they barely lose to yeah. Miami. I just man alive, Carol. You know, I don't like this horrible matchup with the Rams at all. It reminds me a lot of the old Russell Wilson matchups when Russell Wilson was even younger with Kyler Murray. I don't like it as at all, but we'll see how they do. I'm looking at the schedules, and, and as tough as you know, Seattle and the Rams, Seattle and the Cardinals have it. Mike, I, the Rams have a tougher road. They just do. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's there's no way to get around it. There's there's no there's no way to get around that. It's absolutely that's what it is. And so uh, that's why I said this was a very good win because you have to have this win today knowing what's now in front of you. So, uh, again, going to Tampa Bay, Tom Brady is now, okay, we we got the kinks. We're now getting into our 10th game. Okay, we're going to stop all the foolishness and little mistakes. So, you would think that they're going to to play well, so we're going to have to play one of our better games. But it seems like, you know, when we go that way, we seem to show up. So that's what we need. Just show up like you do. Uh, I would think the weather should play into our hands unless it's uh, one of those rainy games. It's getting November, but as far as just weather, it should be perfect playing weather uh, unless it's maybe a sloppy field. And that's the scariest part about all of it, you know, is the the factors. You know, the Rams suffered three injuries today that were pretty scary. Then, of course, there's a time in the second half where Aaron Donald's kind of sitting out. And you're like, oh, great. Is he hurt too? Right. right. I mean, is he hurt? So, I mean, those things concern me. Little things, by the way, before we get out of here, I want to mention that concern. Because the Rams, I mean, we always want to be honest about the positive and negatives. The Rams, I thought, had one of their best games of the season today. In terms of everything they did, minor things that concern you, though, are still there. Um, I'm nitpicking, Mike, but I really wish that Sean McVay wouldn't have packed it up late in the game offensively. Put a dagger in them. Put a dagger in them. Don't don't just put your defense constantly in the position to have to defend because you know. I think in the Buffalo game when the when the Rams came back and nearly won that game, the defense made plays to get them back in that game. Don't always just rely on the defense to finish it out. You know, they did I just felt Sean McVay went too conservative at the end. Just go go put your foot in the, in the neck of the snake. Kill it. Just, just end it. And I wish they would have done that. But if that's the biggest nitpick I have, then I guess there isn't too much to complain about. No, I mean you're 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 right from that standpoint, but I mean to your credit, Derek, you're looking at something from a bigger uh, perspective. And when you're thinking about the NFL week by week game uh, to playoffs, you have to always have the big picture in mind. And the game the game is 
get a get it in the win column. They did that. But you also have to be realistic and go, hmm, did we win convincingly as we thought we did? Or maybe there's a lot that maybe we didn't. Because there's no way, if you look at the Arizona-Buffalo game, that Kyler Murray is literally running for his life to his left and just throws it up with three defenders and he has one receiver in the area and he somehow comes down with the ball on a Hail Mary and that's how they lose. So to your point, Seattle hung in there even as much as we feel it was a dominant win, but literally if they get the onside kick at the end of the game, and now you're able to do the same thing and somehow throw a Hail Mary. It wasn't that much time left on the clock. But who's to say you're not sitting here going, are you seriously? We, we, we lost all some uh, fluteness. So, yes, when we have a chance to like just put it out of reach, put it out of reach. Whether you get an onside kick, maybe mm. you got to get two or three of them. But, yeah, you don't want to leave it down to basically a one-possession game. I mean, don't put – if you can avoid putting your defense in the situation you want, they they deserved that defense deserved today to go out and get every accolade humanly possible. But they also deserved, I think, at the end to breathe a little easier. <laughs> and you know, that's really to me something I like to see more out of. I, I I've always respected teams that have a killer instinct, and yes. there have been times in the past few years under the McVeigh regime where I've wondered if they've had the killer instinct. Teams that have killer instincts are the ones that stick with you. As much as I hate to talk about it, I know you don't want to talk about it, but if you the example that comes out to me is the 49ers you faced of the eighties and the early nineties. They would yes. they would put a dagger in you in a heartbeat. They wouldn't mess around. If if they had a chance to put you away, they are going not just to put you away, they're going to annihilate you. They're gonna make sure you're down for good. How many times have the yes. Rams I think and I think of the eighty seven game where they beat the Rams forty nine nothing. Forty nine and nothing. I think that was a year before you came in. And I just remember other games like that, forty four to ten. They didn't stop. They just put they would put a dagger in you. And there's been times this year where I have it just seemed like Sean McVay had a chance to put teams away and just end it. And it didn't happen. And sooner or later, that comes back to bite you. Now, again, that's my only complaint from a great game. This is a Seattle didn't play poorly. I don't think Seattle played poorly at all. The Rams just played better. That was a good now, football what, game. What we need to note as well, Derek, is not knowing what the real injury thing is. You know, Whitworth goes down, so maybe you got to feel like you got to dial back a few things. You know what I mean? Uh you get someone else a little banged up and you're going like, okay, man, we need to try to just get out of this game with no more injuries. So that can cause you to somewhat dial it back as well. But again, the reason why you have a starter and a backup is that unfortunately, if the starter goes down, the backup next man up, you know, and you want to keep the same level of intensity throughout. But yeah, to their defense, maybe, you know, he's like, hey, man, you know, sometimes as a coach, maybe just get that feeling like, man, we just need to get out of here with any more guys getting banged up. And I understand that. It's not, again, that's what I'm saying. It's my only gripe. 
And there's no, there's no reason to even keep going on with that because the point's made. I just want to see them put a team out. I want them to, to make a mark because I think you know this as well as I do. Teams that build a legend around being a killer instinct build, they get in people's heads. I mean, yes. Again, I go back to the Rams and 49ers games of the 80s. You can't tell me that it wasn't in the back of you guys' mind at some point that this the 49ers are a bunch of killers. Well, it's funny you say that, Derek. The time we beat them, I believe it was uh, 88, 89, somewhere in there. We beat them there at Candlestick Park. 38-16? The game is literally, the game is literally over. There's maybe three minutes left. And, I mean, we're literally on the sidelines. All right, guys, you know, stay serious. You know, don't let up. And it's like, okay, dude, if they actually come back and beat us today, we all just need to just go back to high school and quit playing. But the feeling was it's not over till it's over against them. It was like somehow they can somehow come up with 14 points in a matter of seconds, if you will. So yeah, absolutely. There is something that goes to your into your psyche, just like when we'd be up and maybe they would start coming down to Monday night game, and then the next mm-hmm. thing you know, okay, mm-hmm. we're still up, and then the next thing you know, we lose, and you go, and that was on Man. my mind. I'm thinking just about that, Mike. Yes. You, you mentioned the game. Your mention, I think, is a 38-16 game in 1988. Okay. The next year, they come out yes. down to Anaheim Stadium, and the Rams just were annihilating. You guys are annihilating them on Monday Night Football, and yeah. they come back and win that game 30-27. And you're like, I went to bed. I was like, I had school in the morning. I was a little 11-year-old. Right, right. Okay, I'm right. thinking, I, I woke up, and I, I would check headline news in the morning, expecting to see the final right. score. And I'm sure they, I'm seeing the highlight of the 49ers right. hitting the game-winning field goal. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right, right, man, right. But here's something else, too. That changes things, because I think if the the Rams win that game, if they win that game, I think that NFC Talk game is a bit different. Well, absolutely. And I think what you're saying, too, not I think, I know what you're saying, Derek, is no matter how good or bad the Steelers are or the Ravens are, your mind is... They have a vicious defense, right? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, you know. It's like they have this charisma, if you will, uh, that when you play the Steelers, man, we're still we're hard workers, still people, you know. You don't have that same feeling with the Cleveland Browns, who really are the Baltimore Ravens, original Cleveland, <laughs> but. With the Ravens, you still have that feeling. You don't necessarily have that with the the Browns, even though they're winning. You don't really get that like, oh, yeah, they're just going to be this dominant team because they've just had so many years of losing. You don't really see them as a really a winning organization. So, yes, your mindset is a little bit different uh, when it comes down to, especially when the game is in a crunch. Well, Well, think even now. Think of the 49ers now. The 49ers, since the late 90s, have been good here and there. A couple of years run with, with Cap. They had a, you know, they went to the Super Bowl last year. They had a couple of good years with right. Mooch. Okay, but even to this day, if you talk to any Rams fan worth their salt, they measure themselves up 
they measure the Rams up with who? The 49ers. The 49ers, yes. The Seahawks are in the list now, too, but it's the 49ers. Yes. But again, the Seahawks had so many years that they were just the the no-hawks mm-hmm. uh, that they didn't really get that much. <laughs> you know, now, obviously, over these last maybe five years, they've been steady uh, or since, you know, Pete Carroll's uh, second time around. And so, yeah, they give it a little bit more as far as at least the division. But, yeah, the, the, the standard still is somewhat the, the Niners, and that's why they're even saying, guys, we got all these injuries, and we're still able to stay in the hunt. And, well, yeah, you go back to that Niners game a couple of weeks ago against the Rams. Given all the injuries the Niners had, given how healthy the Rams were, you wouldn't think it, it would have been a Rams loss. They still got their butts hand to him in the first half. So yes. it's always going to be the Niners. The Niners, to me, could be 1-14, and you're still going to go, right. it's the Niners. Because it's the freaking <laughs> Niners. They've built up that yes. image of what winning was supposed to be. And I'm hoping that as time goes on, that's what the Rams become. The Rams are on their way, fingers crossed, their fourth straight winning season. I have never in my life seen a Rams team have four straight winning seasons, Mike. Never. I'm 42 years old. Yeah. 40 freaking two. This will be the first, if they can hold this out. And this schedule's hard. A couple of injuries changes all that. But I have never yes. lived through four straight winning seasons of the Rams football. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I don't know what their, their Ram, you know, I'm not that much of a history buff, but I know they were the team I loved growing up watching. And we used to just house the 49ers with their nasty uniforms back then. But you're talking the <laughs> early 70s. You're talking the Jack Snow, Billy Waddy. You know, you're talking that era, you know, Merlin Olsen, Deep now. And so, uh, but yeah, to your point, I don't know that we are that, that organization overall that's had these dominant years and then years when we should have been more dominant for whatever reason, we weren't, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you would have never thought after uh, we went to the championship game in 89, got all those picks from the Eric Dickerson trade in 87, that we wouldn't have been a team to reckon with, be reckoned with throughout the 80s and 90s, but yet we struggled for a number of years until the greatest show on turf, and turf, turf and that ended up being in St. Louis. So, uh, yeah, to see this this run right now, to be consistently in the hunt, yeah, it speaks for for a lot of things about the organization and and everything that they're doing to bring in good quality players, quote coaches, and all the things uh, to make it a successful full team year in and year out. Yeah, just for historical note, the the last the last time the Rams had four straight winning seasons, nineteen eighty three. To 1986. That's the last time I was five through age eight. I didn't even I didn't watch football at that point. I didn't pick yeah. up football until '87. This is when I started watching the Rams. When I became a football fan. Yeah. So, <laughs> of course, I had to latch on during a losing season. <laughs> but, you know, the so I just look at that and go, that's. How, um, I mean, let's be honest, that's how inept this franchise has been for much of the last 
nearly 40 years. And, you know, we could pick on Sean McVay's flaws here, but he, he less than the front office, they've done a good job making this team competitive year in and year out now. This will be year four, and even if injuries take them down a notch this year, we know they're built for the future as well. So I, I just look at this and go, this is a whole different era for Rams football. And yet, my so my only nitpick today is, gosh darn it, put the dagger in them. Be a killer. Not literally, because that's a felony, but on the football field, put put this one down. Knock CL, yes. knock CL out of it. And they had a chance. They had the ball in the 50-yard line, and they didn't do it. And that just, yes. man. So there goes my rant. I mean, great football game by the Rams today. Great football game. Jared Goff did fine. I mean, the one, the one t- fumble was... They're going to happen. I know people get mad at Jared Goff. They're going to happen. You're not going to catch every pressure. So, all right. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, just, uh, man, exciting win. Glad that uh, we got this one in the win column and just looking forward to seeing what our response is going to be uh, next week. Uh, you know, me too. Can't wait to see what happens. Big one in Tampa Bay. We'll be with you to cover this one next week. Steve and Johnny will have the post game. Uh, Mike and I will, will follow up afterwards because it's a late night for us, especially for me. Got to, you know, got to live that one down. So in the meantime, we'll see you. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams. Don't forget to follow Mike on Twitter at OneDude23 and me on Twitter at DCApollo. You can find our podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. We would appreciate a five-star review any chance you get. Ignore the whole mic dropping off at the beginning of the interview thing. Because, you, know, you know, yeah, live shows, live things happen. What can we say? In the meantime, take care. What you say? <laughs> you got it. We are out of here. See you next week. See you this see week. See you. Wrap. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. 
Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.